everybody, you're listening to The Real Movies Podcast, a podcast about documentaries. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? How's it going there, John? Doing well. Good. Well, today uh, is episode six of Real Movies, and today the documentary that we're discussing is called Hot Coffee. One year old woman has been awarded $2.9 million after she sued McDonald's. It wasn't like the McDonald's employee took the coffee, threw it on her. Who brings these frivolous lawsuits? All kinds of people. People that are jackpot justice oriented. The media in corporate America did a masterful job. Mrs. Liebeck became a joke. Businesses use a number of devices to keep the public out of the courts. Hot Coffee is a documentary that was made to talk about the criminal, or not, excuse me, the civil justice system. It kind of highlights one of the most famous civil justice cases of Stel Liebeck that sued McDonald's over spilling hot coffee in her lap. And this is a famous case. And this yes. is like, you've seen the episode of Seinfeld where Kramer sticks a cup of coffee in his pants and sneaks into the movie theater, spills it on himself, and then wins a settlement with the coffee company that is free coffee for life. Right. And and uh, this is what a lot of people think of when they think of the term jackpot justice and reasons that we need tort reform to keep these crazy lawsuits out of our courts and not spending taxpayer money and, and not awarding these people you know, millions and millions of dollars. The uh, director of the film actually is is a lawyer that took off a year to make this film. Specifically, she's a medical malpractice attorney. Okay. So she, she defended doctors who were sued for malpractice. All right. And so she wanted to kind of talk about how much... Her name is Susan Sadoff. She wanted to talk about how much the American... Uh, citizen is actually losing grounds in their ability to get justice on a civil level. She did want to talk about the hot coffee case and how many people thought that this thing was just so uh, crazy and such an injustice of our legal system when she really found out that, that people did not know the details of this case and they did not know what happened and how it happened and when you start seeing Everything that did happen, you kind of start, you kind of look at it and go, okay, maybe there was something here. They do all of these man on the street kind of interviews about this hot coffee case in which they talk to different people. They ask them if they know about it. Every one of them knew about the hot coffee case and they all gave a fairly similar uh, description. She was driving. She went through the the drive-thru, she spilled some coffee on herself, and then she sued McDonald's and got millions of dollars. That is about as watered-down basics as you can get, and none of the details are in there. Um, well, and straight-up inaccurate. Like, yes, for yes. For example, absolutely. She, she wasn't driving. She was not driving. Her nephew was driving. They weren't driving when she spilled the coffee. They had actually gone through the drive-thru. That is correct. They pulled into a parking spot to get situated. He knew he would be driving and eating, so he wanted to get everything ready to where it wouldn't be a problem for him to eat something while he was driving. And she wanted to make sure that she could put her cream and sugar in her coffee. And so they pulled into a parking spot, and when she was sitting there, she pulled the top off of the coffee cup. It spilled over into her lap, giving her these 
incredibly painful burns. And, and they show pictures of the burns. Yes, yes. It was not like, you know, ouch, I just burned myself. Like, this wasn't just a little bit of the water's too hot in your sink and you touch it. Burns go in first degree, second degree, third degree, and then they go total penetration burns, which go all the way through the skin and to the muscle, and that's what she had. And, and by the when they showed the pictures, I thought I was going to be sick. Yeah, it was awful. It is absolutely disgusting. They required multiple skin grafts to get this um, healed correctly. It was unbelievably painful. And every person that was that they interviewed as a man on like the man on the street interview, they actually, after seeing the extent of her injuries, rethought their entire their entire mindset about this case. None of them expected the burns to be that bad. I also I didn't realize how old she was. Which I mean right. maybe that shouldn't play a big factor because I mean a burn's a burn's a burn, but she was seventy nine years old. Right. Which and so she's already a little bit frail and a little her immune system is not probably as strong as like a 20 something year old so the the burns were worse for her than they would have been probably for the average person anyway but that was regardless of how old she was it's the worst thing I've ever seen yeah, it was just it, horrible it is it is nasty they said they contacted McDonald's her family contacted McDonald's to say hey we think your burner in this one instance is too hot and you need to turn it down and said you know we think this is a, a singular um, event, but if this is the policy to keep it this hot, this is really, really dangerous. They also wanted McDonald's to pay for part of the the expense that she had and medical expenses. McDonald's offered her $800 to pay for her medical expenses when her medical expenses we're going well into the tens of thousands of dollars. You know, and it's not such a cut and dry case. Well, they didn't they didn't set out to bleed McDonald's dry. No. This was not a case of greedy people looking for a payday. No, they just wanted some compensation for this this horrific thing that happened to Stella. And so they start having to when when McDonald's offers up this pretty insulting offer they go ahead and start trying to pursue some legal damages, and it it is really hard to be heard. They have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting the system. And ultimately, what comes out is McDonald's has recorded over 700 instances in which people have been badly burned. And complained. Like, these yeah. are only the ones that have been recorded. They find that McDonald's has a policy that it must keep its co- it must it must keep its coffee between 180 and 190 degrees, and they do that so that they don't have to change the coffee as often. Mm-hmm. And if they keep it that hot, they will sell more coffee and they won't have to brew more coffee as often. And so it's a money saving technique. And they don't want to lower that temperature because they don't want to lose money on the amount of coffee that they have to do that. However, it is hurting more than 700 people and I have no idea if these other people's burns were as bad as as Miss Liebeck's but if they are I mean this is is ridiculous it's unbelievable and I I mean I didn't know because when, when somebody says it's 180 degrees or 190 degrees like that doesn't mean a whole lot to me because I don't go around testing temperatures of different things <laughs> so I actually did uh, do a test on at my house. I have one of the 
those Keurig machines that you put the little cup in there and it makes the coffee. I tested mine and mine comes out at 175 degrees, which is still hot. And it did make me aware of how dangerous this is actually it. It doesn't take very long if I if I leave it sitting there for you know a couple of minutes without a cap on there, it will come down to about 160 degrees pretty easily. But if you pour that and cap it and shove it out the window, you are really it's at 190 degree coffee. I mean, you are sending out something that is potentially very, very threatening to yeah. anybody that um, that comes in contact with it. That was one of the things that that the jury looked at. And so when people see that she received $2.7 million, which was her settlement, it was it was punitive damages, which are very rare. But the juror said that the most damning thing was how just unempathetic the McDonald's spokesperson was when talking about their coffee, saying... Wow, I'm I'm just glad that it wasn't more than 700. And really looking at it as a numbers thing as opposed to these are real people that have really been hurt. And two, that because McDonald's had had recorded on their own records of 700 instances that they had no plans on ever changing their policy. Yeah. So, they went ahead and and the way they came up with 2.7 million dollars is they took two days of coffee sales and said, we will award you what McDonald's makes in two days in coffee sales for your punitive damages. Which then kind of leads us into what the rest of the documentary talks about is a judge came back later and said $2.7 million is excessive. We're going to cap that off at 480000 Yeah, so, and, and like you said, the, the rest of... The- this case really the whole movie is not just about this one case right. this one case becomes the jumping off point for the question of are are these things that we call frivolous lawsuits are they really so frivolous or do they do they have do they serve a purpose and do they actually serve the interest of justice so it takes us from that into a medical malpractice suit for the gordley family they were in a medical malpractice suit uh, they had two twins the doctor did not see that one of the twins was not getting enough oxygen. The The mom was concerned because the twins kept moving less and less. Went back in for another uh, checkup when her original doctor wasn't there, and the new doctor figured out exactly what was going on, sent them over to be delivered immediately. One twin was taking all of the nutrients and oxygen from the placenta of the other twin and it ultimately caused one to have severe brain damage and the other to be completely normal. If, if the doctor had been doing what they were supposed to, they could have delivered both the twins two days earlier and, and they would have been two normal, healthy twin boys. They talked to a lawyer and said, what would need to be done so that, that the one that has brain damage is basically taken care of for the rest of his life? They kind of did a cost analysis and it came out to be $6 million dollars. So they sued for that much, but because companies had had come back and said, you know, we need to stop this jackpot justice, they started putting caps on what people could get. And they said that they ended up getting something like just a couple hundred thousand dollars. Oh, sorry, they, they were only able to collect, excuse me, that was wrong. They were only able to collect 1.25 million. 
after paying the lawyers and after doing everything else, you know, it came out to less than a million and and the kid's therapy has already gone through well into this amount yeah. already. I, I understand that not everybody that has a kid with special needs gets their child paid for. But this was done in a and this could have been prevented. And when it wasn't prevented, they sought justice. A jury said they were correct, but because of the way laws are written in Nebraska, which is where they're from, they could not collect the amount that they were that they were necess- like that they were asking for because that was too much. Because they don't think that there is ever an instance in which you should need that much money. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in. To kind of catapult the propaganda. I was burned so severely that uh, they didn't think I would live. Are you going to show me the burns? What? <laughs> yes, if I saw injuries like that, I would definitely uh, take a different view of it. Moving through the documentary, you have this other case of this judge who was sort of ousted because he tended to side with the plaintiffs in these cases. And then finally, the, the probably the most emotionally horrifying yes. one was uh, a case of a woman named Jamie Lee Jones versus Halliburton where she was stationed, I don't remember where exactly. She was in Iraq. She was in Iraq. That's all that I knew was that she went to Iraq. And um, she was there as a private contractor and she was gang raped by five of her male co-workers. And, and apparently Halliburton was fully aware that this kind of thing had happened before. Right. And not only that, when she went over there, she was promised a trailer with two other female roommates. Yeah. And she was housed in barracks that did not have two other female roommates, but all of these male roommates. Like, all of these males were in the same barracks as she was, and they were not separated. Yeah. And so they had promised her one thing and then put her in this other situation with these guys, and then... After it happened, they they basically locked her up like a criminal in a storage container. That was unbelievable. Yeah, because it's like something out of Twenty Four. Yeah, honestly. they they thought, oh no, this is gonna like this is gonna get out. So let's put this victim in a storage container and treat her like a prisoner. You know, she was able to coax one of the guards. She was able to get one of the guards to have some leniency on her and give her her cell phone and what she called her dad. Her dad called a senator and they literally had to send in federal troops to go get her out of this storage container. Her only justice because of the contract that she signed with Halliburton was this mandatory arbitration. Mm-hmm. They, they, there was a clause in the contract that she signed that says you cannot take them to court. You have to do this mandatory arbitration. And the term mandatory arbitration means that the company you work for picks an arbitrator to hear your case, and then their word is the final word. The problem is, if an arbitrator votes against a company, they are kind of blackballed by all of these other companies. So it is highly within the arbitrator's best interest to vote in favor of the company who hired them to make this arbitration. The deck is completely stacked against the yes. plaintiff. And, I mean, I think they show, like, a, a graph within the movie of how many times companies who hired the arbitrator have been voted for and how many times the victims have been voted for. There was less than 90 times in which the victim had been voted for, and there were tens of thousands of times in which the, uh, the companies had been voted for. 
She was drugged. She was raped, gang raped. She had to have reconstructive surgery, sir. Ms. Jones has had her day in court. Four years to fight to get in court is not a day in court. The, the filmmaker, Susan Saladoff, did a great job of finding three of these cases that anybody, especially the, the twins case and the Jamie Lee Jones case, any any person with a soul is going to yeah. hear these stories and think, well, this is unjust. There's, I mean, it does. The film does a great job of appealing to our natural desire for justice. She she understands that people in general don't like to see evil go unpunished. Tell me a story about these five horrible men who rape their female coworker in Iraq and then imprison her in, in a shipping container. Yeah. It's just, it, it just unbelievable. And nobody can watch this movie without getting angry, specifically yes. in that story. Yes, and even this this idea of mandatory arbitration, like, I think that that of all the things, this is the one thing that upset me the most, not just about her case, yeah. but that anybody could sign a contract and then have no rights to pursue anything legal against the company, no matter what the company does. I mean, this right here is an example of it doesn't matter what the company has done. You cannot take them to court because of this. It is it is a very, it's a very persuasive documentary. I was watching a, a YouTube clip from um, Michael Sendell, who is a Harvard professor at... Uh, at Harvard, that is <laughs> he's a, that is very redundant. He's Sorry. a Harvard professor at what school? Yes, Harvard. Yes. yes. Okay. So he's a Harvard professor, and he talks about justice. He's written a book on entitled Justice, and uh, he puts a lot of his lectures. So he is talking about Ford made Pentos, and in these Pentos, if you ran into the back of them, it exploded. Ford knew that you would you would die or you your car would blow up without this one little piece and there was a piece that they could put in the car that was $11 they went ahead and said well if we have to recall every car that we have and put this piece in for $11 it's going to cost us x amount of million dollars but if we determine that we we will probably have 25 deaths happen for this those 25 deaths are about three million bucks a death. It is cheaper for them to pay for the death than it is for them to recall and put an $11 part in every single car that they've sold. That is unbelievable. And so my my fear is that with civil justice, the, the, the only problem that I have, it's not that I don't believe that Stella Liebeck was wronged and, and, and she needed some kind of compensation. And it's not that I feel that Jamie Lee Jones was wronged. But at the point in which we have this cost-benefit analysis on a human life, then companies could at that point just start looking at, is it worth our $6 million to pay for the life or, and make things safer and make things better for people or just pay off whoever dies? And as soon as somebody dies, just send them a check for $6 million and be like, well, don't ever talk to me again. To go to court and to sue you have to go through a lot of trouble to do it it affects your life you're going to be attacked in all kinds of ways going to court to gain justice is heroic when it comes to civil justice and when it comes to you pay me for my suffering which is not i mean that's that's really simplified and boiled down i just don't it's a very dangerous slope either way because is it justice to allow these companies to get away with not paying, with not doing anything? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's justice for 
somebody – I don't think it's justice for McDonald's to get away with severely injuring their customers. I don't think that it's justice for Halliburton to get away with what happened to Jamie Lee Jones. But at the same time, I would hate for it to just be this big cost-benefit formula in which um, my life is only worth X amount of dollars to you. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the job that I'm doing exceeds that to your company, I'm expendable. Clearly, the film has a position to take on this. I mean, there's no doubt at all. I mean, you can... The first ten minutes of the movie will tell you exactly how Susan Saladoff feels about this. That, basically, this this movie is, is given in defense of people who sue corporations that we would naturally write off as being crackpots who are just trying to get paid. Right. And so... But, but like you're saying, it is it is more complicated. And anytime And we, we've seen this, again, with Waiting for Superman, is that in a lot of these documentaries, the, the filmmaker take, toes such a hard line in one direction that the other side of the perspective is completely lost and, right. and kind of deafened. The overall message of the film clearly is don't write off these people. Don't don't assume that they're crackpots. We need we need this kind of lawsuit to be possible. We need yes. people to have access to the courts. Yeah, and and I do think, you know, their justice does need to be served and you know, having a, a one size fits all justice system is really hard. They go really hard at this idea of tort reform and how it was how it got the American public, you know, up in arms about this kind of you know, these frivolous lawsuits and that kind of thing, and so it starts capping things. Well, not everything does need to be capped. They they go hard at George W. Bush when he was in he was the governor of Texas and even when he was the president, he was he was hardcore into tort reform. And if you get hurt in Texas, <laughs> you're screwed, yeah. man. That's what I came out with it. I was thinking, wow, I I live in Texas and if there is if there is some big issue you have very little chance of getting anything less than, you know, uh, whatever the cap is. And the cap is quite low. Do it's, not burn yourself with coffee no, in Texas. No, and And that's kind of crazy because um, after I watched this, I was at my son's baseball game this weekend. And these two kids come back from the concession stand and they both have hot chocolate. And it's, I mean, it's cool out there that morning. It's not really cold or anything, but they both have this hot chocolate. And I'm just watching them run, and it's sloshing everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know? We will not get paid. No. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, it just made me aware of, I, I honestly didn't know how bad it could actually burn somebody. Yeah. And, you know, and so I am much more aware of, the danger of coffee, uh, the danger of, of hot drinks. And, and so if anything, it made me more aware of, Hey, this is not a joke. Like it's not a joke to get burned by something, but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean that detracts from the documentary, but it's, it's such a tough line because also we like the underdog story. We like the story of, you know, 79 year old Stella Liebeck who had these terrible, horrible burns comes back and and gets at McDonald's. Everybody loves the underdog story of, of the, the hurt 79-year-old ultimately gets back at McDonald's once you see this movie. But <clears throat> not every company is also McDonald's. On, on the positive scale, when you watch this documentary, what do you think what do you think the value of this documentary is? Are there are there good things that come out of this documentary? I mean I think this this really did educate me on what I think about 
I think our I think our society is so easily motivated by taglines <clears throat> and by just these blurbs that come out. And so when you say tort reform and when you say, you know, jackpot justice and you have these, you know, phrases that are supposed to sway people one way or the other. And I think one of the things that that this documentary does is it says we cannot look at it just in these terms. We can't look at it in in just these bits and phrases because there are so much deeper stories here. Yeah. And so if anything, it will make people really kind of learn more of the issues, which is hard because some of this stuff is really boring. I mean, and legalese is so hard to to get through and to read more about. And well, in to, headlines, it takes two seconds to read the headlines. Yeah. So why not just let it stop there? Yeah, and and so that is and that that's a hard thing. And especially, I find myself, you know, with this movie, you start talking about some of this stuff, and and you just hear blah 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 blah. You know, yeah. I mean, it gets it gets a little mundane and boring. And they're trying to talk about the exciting parts. So I can't imagine talking about the really boring oh, part. Well, she keeps it moving as best she can, but you're, yeah. I mean, the, the phrase tort reform yeah. is only interesting for a little while. Exactly. And and I, I, I'm right there with you. To me, the biggest positive is it just reminds us, don't ever jump to conclusions based on sound bites and headlines. Yes. And, and a, a great example that they showed, um, they showed a, a video of Ronald Reagan talking about how a man was hit by a car while he was standing in a phone booth. And and Reagan kind of gives this look of, but you know who he sued? He didn't sue the driver. He sued the phone company. And when you hear that, you think, that's ridiculous. He's just suing them because they got deeper pockets. But then you learn later on, oh, well, the phone company had been repeatedly warned that this phone booth was in a da- on a dangerous corner and had been hit several times by by moving vehicles and that the the phone beca- and because it had been hit so many times the door jammed and the guy couldn't get out and the guy lost his leg because he got hit by this car. Yeah. So all of a sudden the soundbite of guys through the phone coming because he got hit by a car all of a sudden it makes a little more sense because we we read a few paragraphs into the into the story rather than just hearing the headline. Yeah. And so I appreciated that. I also appreciate the educational aspect of this because every 20 minutes or so, you'd have like this notebook graphic looking thing where they would have like a headline and they would basically say, here's this aspect. Like, um, I, I don't remember any of the actual headlines, but basically how to defining tort reform. And, right. And really, it was almost like an hour and a half long quick law class. On, yes. th- this is This is how to understand these cases. And I appreciate that, that Saladoff took the time to educate me in, on on the terminology on on how this kind of law the legal stuff intrigues me, but like you said, it gets a little dull and it gets a little mundane after a while. And I thought she did a good job of making it accessible as as best she could. Right. I, I mean, that's what I I feel the same way about. I think that is the best thing that comes from this movie. Absolutely. Now negatives, and we kind of I feel like we already sort of touched on this. But what what are the negatives that you would say about this? Film? I, I mean, the negatives are not to swing too far either way. Right. Uh, the negatives are to f- probably. She presents her case, right? She's a lawyer. She knows how to tell a story. That's she a really good to, point. She's making a case. Yes. Yeah, she knows how to make her case, and and she's done so. But at the same time, you, you probably can't swing too far in either direction, and, and the truth is somewhere probably in between. You know, I, I do want justice for people who have been wronged, but that doesn't mean that anything bad to you that happens in your life deserves monetary compensation. Right. So and, and it it does almost feel like the film is making that case because you never hear like she ne- she doesn't give any examples of 
lawsuits that actually are frivolous. Right. Everybody knows there are some of those. I think there is an award every year for the most frivolous lawsuit. And granted, I haven't looked it up. Uh, I heard – so I might be completely wrong. I, com- I might be completely wrong, but I heard that there was a case in which a guy was driving a, a new Winnebago and put the Winnebago on cruise control, went back in the back to make a sandwich, and the Winnebago went off the road. And he got money and a new Winnebago because apparently cruise control does not mean autopilot. Interesting. Yes. And and so he didn't know that. And so now they have to put – if you put your vehicle on cruise control in their manual, that you cannot leave the driver's seat. So – This is why when you read instruction manuals, <laughs> yeah. they say things that are so ridiculously obvious. It's because if they don't put those in there, there actually may be a lawsuit. And, and right. And so – and I don't know if that's – I don't know if I – if if that particular lawsuit um, is, you know, is kind of a Stella Liebeck case where maybe – I don't know how, but maybe there is something to – what he had that thought he could do that. This is a, you know, there are there are probably some frivolous lawsuits out there. Sure. There are some people that want to take advantage of the system. Not everyone does. And, and the hot coffee incident is, is one of those that, you know, before I watched this movie, I would have probably used it as an example. Yeah. I would have, I would have definitely used it as an example of a frivolous lawsuit. But, it, it, it's yeah. the quintessential frivolous lawsuit for people who don't know the case. Yeah. But, but now that I know more about it, no way. I, I mean, she deserves... She deserves what she got. I mean, gosh, you look at her injuries. and you, I mean, I don't know if you can Google image them. I don't know if you want to Google image them, but uh, as soon as you see her injuries, you will realize... It's horrific. Yeah, it's awful. Have you ever been sued? I've not. I've never... I've, I've never been to court. I, I hope this doesn't jinx me. <laughs> I've never been called in for jury duty. So oh, I've never wow. even been on a jury. I haven't like, either. And so... The only interaction I have with the court is paying speeding tickets. Sure. And so... I was I was in a car accident when I was in college, and the guy I was in the accident with sued me. And he sued me for a re- an exorbitant amount of money. And it was really... My insurance covered it, because that was that's one of the things that insurance, thankfully, will do for you, is that they will cover your lawsuit up to a certain amount of money. Thankfully, they hired an attorney that was able to sort of talk that through and then sort of get it down to only covering the actual damages that it did because the accident was my fault and and I admitted so in, in, the, uh, right. in the in the deposition but this guy was asking for all kinds of like emotional damages and I mean like unbelievable amounts of stuff and we got it down to only paying for medical expenses which I thought was fair right because my insurance company was paying it right but but, th- but the thing is the courts were able to work that out like just because he sued me doesn't mean he got paid right. every dollar that he wanted. And so the, the good and the bad of this is, yeah, it's it's a huge hassle. It's such a – I mean the fact that I had to go and do two different depositions and had to spend time on the phone with attorneys dealing with this guy because he wanted a lot more money than he ever should have asked for for a right. bender bender. That was a pain and I wish – you know, there, there was a part of me thinking, man, this guy just needs to grow up. But – that's that's his right. It's his right to yeah. sue, but it's also my right to hire an attorney and defend myself. And the courts can meet it out, you right. know. And, and so we have to trust that the courts, in a lot of situations, will do the right thing. And so what what this thing, what this the negatives and the positives of this movie almost are holding hands for me because on the one hand, it shows yeah people need access to the courts when when they've been 
the victim of injustice, and yet it leaves out, yeah, but sometimes people are sued because other people are greedy. Right. And that's then that's true too. Yeah, I, I I agree. So yeah, as far as the bads go, that 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 area is not touched. No, no, not at all. No. It's I mean, in fact, if all you ever did was watch this documentary, you would almost be left thinking every lawsuit deserves a payout. Yeah. I mean, like it, it really does leave it almost in on, on that side of the fence. Well let's let's rate. As far as the education of this goes, I really liked how it how it kinda educated me. As far as a great documentary that I'll be like, ooh, let's watch that again, um, I'm probably not going to watch it again. I would go with a six for education purposes. I'm, like, gi- I'm giving it exactly that same rating for exactly the same reason. I, I was educated. I learned a lot. The, the case studies were really fascinating. I wouldn't watch it again. I thought it was a little too one-sided. The, the, yeah. the lopsidedness of it really kind of began to wear on me after a little while. Uh-huh. Final thoughts? Anything on, on hot coffee? No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I, I'm glad I, I now know a little bit more about it. Um, but it's, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I think people should should learn more about their rights. Yeah, and it's I, worth watching. Yes, it's it's worth watching, especially, it, it educated me a lot on what my rights are now that I live in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that I could sue for millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to get it. No. The court's... Even if a jury awards it, the courts are going to come back and go, nope, it's capped off. That's right. Done. So um, watch it for educational purposes, but uh, it's probably not, you know, family movie night. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can you can find Hot Coffee either through the mail on Netflix yes. or you can catch it on demand on HBO. Um, next week, our documentary is going to be, I'm very excited about this, Pearl Jam 20, the documentary about the band Pearl Jam. So, very excited. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, you can find John Rhodes at don'tputmetosleep.blogspot.com and <clears throat> and you can follow uh, Real Movies Podcast at on Twitter. Or Twitter slash Real Movies. Real movies. Okay. Is it, yeah, it's Real, Real movies, movies or Real Movies Podcast? I believe it's Real Movies. Awesome. Uh, you can find my blog, robcarmack.blogspot.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Twitter slash Rob Carmack. Uh, I'm on another podcast called Around the Wicket, where we talk about sports and pop culture. So if you're interested in that, if you need more podcasts in your life, go check that out, <laughs> aroundthewicket.com. So until next week, we'll be talking about Pearl Jam. John, we'll see you later. See you next week. Guns and money. Send lawyers, guns and money.